not only those that are here tonight, but Facebook Live. We've been having a lot of people tune in and listen to our live stream broadcast, if you want to call a broadcast. We're not on here, right? All right. We're on now, right? All right. So what we're going to do tonight is continue on the series that began last week. We were talking in this series on the mind-brain connections. We were talking about Abram and Sarai. Now, I found something out this week that I did not know. That is that it's 2018 here. Well, I knew that. <laughs> but I did not know on the Hebrew calendar it is 5779, and they have declared it as the year of the single eye. The year of the single eye. I did not know that until I saw that on Facebook, and I'm like, go figure. <laughs> Who would have thought? I had no clue of that when I was led to begin this series of teachings. Now, I shared with you before that my inspiration for teaching this series really came 40 years ago. And I threw bits and pieces out from time to time, but a lady from Kansas by the name of Irene Lindsay uh, kind of introduced this when she came to the church that my husband and I pastored in Fort Wayne 40, at least 40 years ago. And I know there are other people. There's a Kirby D. Landerville or something. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. There's a, a Mr. Donahue. There are people that are teaching this. And I don't know if you're on social media, but there has been quite a few videos that have been posted of just uh, scientists and just people that are talking about the single eye. Wow. And I've been listening to some of those, and uh, it's not that I disagree with them. I do, I do agree with them, but they're just kind of ministering it in a little different way without using the scriptures. And I want to keep it plain and simple. And I want to bring the scriptures in. Because after all, it was Jesus that taught to turn within. It wasn't man. It was Jesus that taught to turn within, to practice or exercise the single eye. It was Jesus that taught purposeful and spontaneous meditation. He's the one that taught that. So upon the authority of not just the letter of the word, but the spirit of the word that Jesus taught. How many know he is and was and is and shall always be the spirit of the word. He is the way, truth, and life. We're one with him. And so what we see in the letter of the word, in the, in the scriptures uh, that are written on the pages of the book, that leads us to the spirit of the word, the understanding, and it confirms the spirit of the word. So we're going to go back, and I'm going to review a little bit of what we had last week, and then I'm going to take off from there. And I'm going to do the rest of the message. And if you remember, as we were talking about Abram and Sarai, I shared with you that I believe, now I've not heard anyone say this, but I personally believe that Abram and Sarai, I personally believe they were always Abraham and Sarah. And remember I shared with you how that Abram, A-B-R-A-M, the first part, A-B speaks of the Father, R-A-M speaks of spirit breath, and once they saw the H element, or the H factor, the in their name, they then could begin to experience being Abraham and Sarah. They always were Abraham in the mind of God. Always were, I believe, Sarah. But their understanding or their awareness was first as Sarai and as Abram. Now, I shared with you how that as Sarai, she intercoursed with the left side and birthed a lie baby. Once her awareness was opened up and she saw herself or who she really was and always had been, then she intercoursed with the right side and was able to birth the truth baby. So what happened was, and it's the same thing that's happening in us, as we are waking up to who we have always been, in the eyes of the Father, that we never came here with a sinful nature, we never came here with an endemic identity that Jesus had to go to the cross to take us out of. But when we realize, according to Ecclesiastes 7.29, that we came here upright, but because of religion, we sought out many inventions or vain imaginations about that uprightness that we always were. 
And I gave you a scripture when we did our eternal identity and original sin versus original blessing. And I shared with you from Ecclesiastes 3.11 that what God does is forever. What did he do? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, he made man in his image. After his likeness, he blessed him and he said, have dominion. So according to Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11, what God does is forever. It never changes. I'm going to kill that fly. <laughs> I don't like flies buzzing around my head. But anyhow, where was I? Ecclesiastes <laughs> chapter 3 and verse 11. What God does is forever. Nothing can be taken away from it, it says, and nothing can be added to it. And we know that Isaiah said that our father sees, he saw, and he sees the end from the beginning. Right. In other words, what does that mean? He sees in an eternal perspective. Now, we need to see in an eternal perspective. So I shared with you how, when we began this last Sunday, how Abram, A-B-R-A-M, represents the mind and represents spirit because A-B is father, R-A-M in Abram is spirit breath. And so Abram represents the mind, whether you're intercoursing with the left aspect of the mind, or whether you're intercoursing with the right aspect of the mind, spirit breath is there, mind is there, and so we looked at that, and I liken that to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1, where it talks about the sun clothes woman. Now, woman speaks of the womb or the awareness. It's in the feminine gender, or it's the feminine principle of our being. So the sun clothed woman was all enveloped in Revelation 12 in the S-O-N. It says S-U-N, but it's symbolic with the... Uh, interchangeable with the S-O-N, and it says the moon, or emotions, were under her feet, and she had upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Now, we can interpret that in many, many different ways, the uh, crown of 12 stars. But in other words, it's talking about what do you, when you put a crown on your head, what does that symbolize? It symbolizes an awareness. It symbolizes us being aware of something. And I'm not going to go into the 12 stars, but we can talk a lot about that. But I'm just not going to go into that now. We will at a later time. Now, I did a little study, and I found out some facts about the brain. You can either be in the cycle, the cyclic vibration, if I can use that word. I don't think we're like that. Say, no, you're just new age. But we, we, we're all vibration. We're an electrical force field. Our brain operates by electricity, whether we want to accept that or not, or by energy. Now, there are cyclic cycles, if you will, of the brain. You can be in what is called beta, B-E-T-A. And you know what happens in beta? You have a lot of mind chatter. You have a lot of left brain chatter. You have a lot of fretting. You have a lot of worrying in beta. The next stage is alpha, A-L-P-H-A. And that's where meditation can begin, and the chatter begins to slow down. You get a little quieter. Then there is theta, which is a little deeper meditation, and you begin to become more relaxed. And then there is the last one, the fourth stage, which is delta, and that's the, listen, the deepest meditation where you do as Jesus, you take no thought. You take no anxious thought. You're not worrying. You don't have all the brain chatter. You're not judging things according to the appearance realm, but you begin to, the brain begins to slowly come down until you come to Delta. And can I tell you tonight, Delta is ready when we are. Wow. Delta is ready when you and I are ready. Now, in Genesis chapter 12, did you find Genesis chapter 12, the very first book of the Bible? Genesis chapter 12, and this is where we read the scripture in verse 1. It says, The Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of my country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I'm going to show you. So what was he telling him? He was saying, You need to get out of all the traditions and all the doctrines and all those things that you learn from your father's tradition, from your country's nationality, from your kindred's religion. You need to, you need to forsake all of that false awareness. Why? Because where was Abram birthed? He was birthed in the Ur of the Chaldeans, and we found out that there was a goddess that was over the Ur of the Chaldeans called S-I-N, Sin. 
And Ur the Chaldean means, besides sin, it is in reference to the emotions. And I shared with you how that the remedy for that is, according to Matthew 6, 25 through 34, we found at least five times when Jesus said, take no thought. Why are you taking thought? Take no thought. Why are you taking thought? Take no thought. And that's the answer for us leaving, living out of the left hemisphere of the brain and what that represents. Now notice in chapter 12, jump on down to verse 4, the first three words says, so Abram departed. In other words, he left all of that, or the Chaldees, he left all of that tradition of his kindred, his nationality, his, you know, anything that held something in his life that was strong and meant a lot to him as far as the natural or the left side is concerned. He left all of that. And it says that he left all of that at age 75. 75, it says in verse 4, years of age, he departed out of Haran. And I shared with you to see the numerical value of 75, you add 7 and 5 together, that equals 12. 12 is a number of fullness, of perfection. 7 simply means, besides fullness and perfection also, 7 also means divine intervention. Divine intervention over what? Or divine intervention to what? The five senses. There you have 7, divine intervention, Five, he was 75 when he departed and left all that his five senses were trying to dictate to him that had to do with the left hemisphere of the brain. Isn't that interesting? Yes. So when there's divine intervention to the five senses, guess what? You begin to experience who you have always been. And that is why I say, right there, that is why I say he was always Abraham and she was always Sarah. They just didn't know it. They just had not awakened to that fact yet or to that reality, that spiritual reality yet. Now, look at verse 10 of the same chapter of Genesis chapter 12. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. So they went down to the lower mine. They're still going back and forth, just as we do. Remember Jacob, when we're talking about Jacob and Esau? He was always a son of God. He was always spiritual, but he still went back and forth. His name meant a deceiver and a conniver, but he still went back and forth. He still represents the spirit or the mind of Christ. So they go down in verse 10 to Egypt. In other words, their dictation comes from the lower mind. And as they're down there, that is where they come to the realization that they're no longer just Abram and Sarai. But this is where they begin to ascend to the realization, slowly but surely, they begin to ascend to the realization that the H factor has always been their reality. That they've always been Abraham, Sarah, they've always been that. And as a result of that, they can walk in and they can experience. And the same way with us. Once we really come, not so much when we get it, but when it gets us. Can I say it that way? Yeah. When the word of the Lord is quickened to us by the Spirit, and when it gets a hold of us, and that's why I've said for many years, 30 years around here, I've said it's not so much us getting the word, because that still can have to do a little bit with the intellect. So it's not so much us getting it, it's, it's, it's it apprehending us, as Paul the Apostle said he hadn't been apprehended yet, that for which he had been apprehended. In other words, it ne needs to get a hold of us. Amen. And it is getting a hold of the people. People are beginning to wake up all over this planet. Yes. And they're realizing that, you know what, heaven and earth have always been one. Yes. And so when they realize that, guess what? In their experience, heaven can invade earth. Yes. This earth. Yes. See? Uh, eternity can invade time when we realize these Amen. truths. Amen. And we see the nowness of what the Spirit Amen. as us is beginning to reveal unto us. And he's showing us we've always had that age factor as well. We've never been separate from the Father. We've always been one. We've always been holy. We've always been righteous. We've never been in an Adamic identity. We have never had a sinful nature. What a revelation Amen. for us to wake up to. That Jesus did not go to the cross to change us. How many know our Father does not change? I can give you scriptures in Hebrews and, and in James and 
there's at least three scriptures in the in the Bible, in the Old and in the New Testament, that talk to us about the fact that our Father never changes. Meaning, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross to change His mind about us, but He went to the cross to change our mind about Him Amen. and about ourselves. Yeah. He went to the cross. Let me say that again. Just let that sink in. Yeah. Just let it embrace you. He went to the cross. Not to change the Father's mind about us, but to change our mind about the Father. Second Corinthians chapter 5, God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the us, world unto himself. Not the Father to us. He was never separate from us. But to change our, and one of the meanings of reconcile there is agree, to get us to agree with that that was always true about us. Now, Genesis chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Now listen to this. It says, say I pray to you. Remember this is when Pharaoh wanted to have a night with Sarai. And so Abram was scared for his life. He was running for his hide, actually. So he told Sarai, his wife, to lie to Pharaoh and say that she was his sister. Look what it says there. Say I pray thee. Thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that when Abram was come to Egypt, the Egyptian beheld the woman that she was very fair. Now, remember what we said about this. Sister means spirit there. Sister means a spirit there. And so often, this is what the Lord opened up to me on this. So often when we minister to people, and especially, it's, it's especially sad when people get behind the pulpit and their idea is not to encourage and lift up and edify people, but to preach judgment to them, to preach fire and brimstone to them, to preach, you know, all kind of things are going to happen if you don't, you know, walk a certain way and keep a certain standard. So what I said about this is simply since sister means spirit there, and Sarai there has to do with the awareness. What is that telling us there? It's simply telling us that many times we have got in the pulpit thinking we were doing God's service, thinking we were being led of the Spirit, and we were really led by the emotions, the left side. When we allow our personality again, or Gideon, or maybe our uh, negative experience that we had that week, or, or something that we suffered, and some challenge that we had, we get in the pulpit, we have to tell all about it. Oh, I know none of us ever done that. <laughs> maybe not from the pulpit, but maybe on a one-to-one -one with someone else. We've all been there. And so what does it signify? This signifies here not being led by the left side of the emotions or our personality or what negatively happened to us that week, but getting up for the most part. Now, I know there's exceptions where you can encourage someone with something that happened to you during the week or a testimony that you might have. But it needs to be led by the Spirit if we're going to do that. When we minister to people, we need to exhort, lift up. We need to edify. We need to show them who they are. We need to show them God's never been mad at them, but that he has been madly in love with them. He's been mad about them. We need, that's what needs to be ministered in this hour, rather than calling that spirit, which really has come out of the emotions. Now look what happens in verse 17 as a result of that. It says here, his house, Pharaoh's house, was plagued because of Sarai. In other words, what is that saying? What I hear in that is, when one is connected to emotions rather than spirit flowing through the emotions, then we're going to be plagued, if you can hear it this way, we're going to be plagued with an experience that's only here today and gone tomorrow. I can't think of a bigger plague than thinking, oh, wonderful, a rapture's going to take place, and I'm going to get raptured out of this hellhole. Oh, I'm so excited about that, so emotional about that. Or the Lord's going to come back on a white horse to the golden trumpet and he's going to, you know, make everything right when we have been given all things already that pertain to life and goodness. When we have been blessed with all spiritual life, when we've been given the mind of Christ, when we lack nothing, when he is all in all in through and as us, we're waiting for him to come out from the external, from the left side, if you will, and make everything, settle everything, and make everything right. His coming 
from within us. Parousia is his presence as us. Epiphania means to uncover. And how many know you cannot uncover something that is not already there? You cannot. Apocalypse is unveiled. You cannot unveil something that is not already there and always been there. That's what the unveiling is. I've given the example many times if I paint a beautiful picture, put a sheet over it. When the day of the great unveiling comes, that picture, when I ripped the sheet off, didn't just appear there. It was always there. And so we can see the same in redemption. We are being redeemed, reminded again how that the Father always deemed us. You see, all of those words that have a re, like remember, it's something we always knew. We forgot, but now we're remembering again. And so all of this emotional ministry, you see, has worked upon the emotions of people to the point to where everything is someday. Someday I'm going to get this. Someday I'm going to experience the other. Always someday. And someday in the pie in the sky. Someday after the rapture takes place. And what does the scripture say? It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. We wonder why we have so many sick Christians. I'm talking spiritually today. It's because every, they can't have anything or experience anything until after Jesus comes or after the rapture or after they die. Our hope, listen, is not any of that. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So listen, in verse 17, his house, Pharaoh's house was plagued because of what? Sarai, because of the emotional realm, moving out of the emotional realm, rather than having the emotion subject to the spirit within us. See, so the intellect, the emotions, the physical realm, all of that has to be subject to the mind of Christ or the spirit within us. Now, in verse 19, and this is, I found this very interesting. In verse 19, Pharaoh saw through, he saw, clean through the lie of Abram. What does that tell us? Listen, the world is the first to see through the traditions and the doctrines of men and the lies that have been passed down from generation to generation. Amen. And let me tell you and declare to you, our millennials are not stupid. They see through yes. religion. They see through it all when we don't see it. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just did a post this week and I said, you know what? The reason why some of the young people are still in church today is because they're following the religion of their grandparents or their parents. Right. Not because they're hungry for truth. Right. But you know what? That's changing. That's changing because there's coming a resurgence of the truth. We're taking our spiritual shovels, as it says in Isaiah, restoring the breach, repairing the breach, restoring the past and dwelling. We're shoveling off the dirt as fast as we can off of all the traditions and the doctrines and the lies that religion has purported for hundreds and thousands of years. So in verse 19, Pharaoh saw the situation. He saw that Abram had lied to him about Sarai, telling her to say, you're my sister, rather than my wife, so you'd be saving your hide. Now, look at verse 13. Now, this is where we left off last Sunday. In verse 13, what we see here is another aspect of this, and we're now introduced to Lot. Now, Lot's name means veiled. Lot's name means veiled. And what happens when Lot is introduced here is it brings in conflict. Why does it bring conflict? Because any time we utilize the left side, we're always going to cause conflict with us. You know, in Galatians, Paul said, the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit lusteth against the flesh. You know how that happens and why that happens? Only for one reason and one reason alone. It's because we've been thinking out of the left side, and that causes conflict to take place. Anytime we begin to think out of the left side and be led by the emotions or just the intellect or, or the physical appearance around, it's going to cause conflict within our life. So just as Adam and Eve, just as Cain and Abel, there was conflict here between Abram and Lot. And look what it says now here. And as I said, this is where we left off. Oh, I hope you got him, Sheila. In Genesis chapter 13 and verse 1, look what it says here. And Abram went up. Now remember, he was in the lower mind. He was still going back and forth. And that's why he thought himself as just Abram rather than Abraham. Okay? So verse uh, 
just like Adam and the woman. They had, uh, you know, a level of oneness between the two until they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then there was a separation and a conflict began, and that's why they hid themselves. Why? They partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil out of the left side. Yeah. And you notice it's good and evil. That's what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is. It's, yes, God does good sometimes, but, you know, he's such a sovereign God, he does evil sometimes. See, good and evil, you see, and that's the duality. And that's what Adam and the woman partook of, and so they hid themselves. Why? There was conflict. They created a conflict. Flesh lust against spirit, spirit was lusting against the flesh in Adam and the woman. So they hid themselves, and God said, who told you you're naked? So here we have the same scenario in Genesis chapter 13 between Lot. Why? Because Lot wanted to settle in the land of the spirit. And, or, I'm sorry, did I say Lot? I meant Abram wanted to settle in the land of spirit. And Lot wanted to settle in the land of Sodom. Sodom is the left side. Abram wanted to settle in the promised land. He wanted to settle eventually on the right side. And so that caused, between Abram and Lot, that caused a conflict. There's always a conflict, a potential, let me say it this way. Not always a conflict, but there's always a potential of a conflict within us. And the way we engage and bring ourselves into the conflict is when we begin to judge things by the appearance rather than righteous judgment. When we begin to, and you can do this in, in Christian, where as Christians we can do this. See how much knowledge you can gain. See how much intellect, and nothing wrong with knowledge and intellect. We need it, but when it's just coming from the left side, just to have all the knowledge and all the intellect, and it's not something that the Spirit is working within us, that creates a problem. Or we want to see how many people we can get, quote, unquote, saved. All this religious work, you see, just for the sake of numbers or just for the sake of, look at me, I have this great anointing and so forth. Look at me, I have all this intellect and all this knowledge. And listen, it doesn't do a hill of beans of good unless it comes from the spirit within you and has been quickened and made real on the inside of us. So as a whole, every area of our life, all five areas of our life can be governed by the outside. And what does it do? It creates a conflict between us, between the left and the right. Only we cause the conflict. There's potential conflict in each and every one of us. But you know what? I love peace. I love peace so much, I just want to stay on his right side at all times. Do I? No. <laughs> no. I'm just like you. You're just like me. There are times that we think, oh, my God. This is what the doctor said. This is what the bank account says. This is what so-and-so says. You see. But the thing is, remember when we talked about Jacob and Esau? You can trick the left side. Just as Rebecca and Esau tricked Jacob for him to get uh, or Isaac for him to get for uh, Jacob to get the birthright. I'll say it right in a minute. You see, there was a tricking going on there. Remember that story? There was a tricking. So you and I can trick the left side. How do we trick the left side? Well, just jump on the other. <laughs> it's so easy. Put a slip in. Just slip into the mind of Christ and think, no, I'm not going to take what the doctor said or what my bank account says because that's not reality. I live by invisible supply. I put on the mind of Christ. I'm going to see that situation that appears on the left side through the single eye. Through the single eye. I'm going to see it the way my father sees it. And he sees the end from the beginning. He sees how it always was. Now, in verse 5 of chapter 13, notice it says, And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And verse 6 says, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. Now, what is this talking about? It's simply talking about the fact that Abram, his heart, his mind was toward promised land. Whereas Lot, who means unveiled, his mind was toward Sodom. Now, Romans chapter 8 tells us there that the carnal mind or carnal thinking, because we don't have a carnal mind, there's only one mind, it's the mind of Christ. But it says, to think carnally is what it says. To think carnally is not subject, it's death for one thing, and it is not subject to the law of God. What is that saying? There's no way you can bring the emotions 
over here to this side. You have to leave the left side, yeah. see, yeah. to come to the right side. Yeah. And then the emotions, the intellect, the knowledge, the judging by the appearance realm will just, it'll just naturally submit. It'll just naturally be swallowed up. It'll naturally be consumed up. Because carnal thinking, that's thinking according to duality, is in the realm of death. That's why the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, good and evil, are on the opposite ends of the same stick. It's all death, you see. So Christ is the tree of life. Christ is the right side. So we're going to partake, as Revelation says, as overcomers, we get to eat of the tree of life. And we're all already overcomers, not trying to become, because you cannot become what you already are. All you can do is wake up to who you've always been. See, and that's the reality. Now, look what it says here. Now, Abram and Lot could not coexist. The land could not bear them. Now, let me say that this way. What is our land? Our land is our outer realm, including the left hemisphere. That's the land. Now, when we're thinking out of that, rather than the right side, then listen, the land here, the outer realm of us, cannot bear to experience. It cannot bear to experience the redemption of the whole man. Redemption is only experienced when we slip into the mind of Christ. See? The land can't bear us. We're not going to experience you see, that whole man redemption. As long as we're thinking, we have it, yes, but as long as we're thinking out on the left side, we're not going to experience it. Now, look at verse 7, still Genesis chapter 13, verse 7. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle and the Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelleth them in the land. Now, I shared with you, I think I might have touched on this last week, but the Canaanites there mean simply dwellers of the low land. And dwellers of the low land is what? It's this outer realm. It's, this, it's the external realm, judging by the external rather than putting on the single eye and judging righteous judgment. And the parasites means dwellers in the open country, also referring to the human mind, or thinking carnally, or drawing our thoughts from the outside. Now, what took place here is that something had to happen here in verse 7 of Genesis 13. Something had to happen because the strife that was going on between the left side and the right side needed to end. You know, there are people, and we, we all know people, and we can hear it on the news every day, that they are so controlled by the left side that the left side eventually completely destroys them. Whether it's like Cain killing Abel, whether it's suicide, no matter what it is, a person can so live out of the left side that that left side can end up consuming them and literally bringing destruction into their life. Not from God, but by their own selves. See, living from the outside rather than from the inside. Now notice here in verse 11 of Genesis chapter 13, it records, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. Now, remember, Abram was born in the Ur of the Chaldees that has to do with moon. Moon city, it meant. And there was the goddess that was over the Ur of the Chaldees that was called Sin. So when we're moving out of emotions, we're moving out of sin. Sin being mistaken identity, not behavior. I'm not talking about smoking, drinking, cussing, cursing. I'm not talking about behavior. I'm talking about sin means mistaken identity. So when we do not know who we are and who we have always been, it's easy for us to move out of the emotions. When you know who you are, you're not, you're, it's not so great of a tendency to move out of the emotions. Or to move out of insecurity. You move in the emotions when you have insecurity because you do not know who you are in him. Mm -hmm. yep. And so this is what this is talking about. This word Jordan also is associated with moon as well. So it says, then Lot chose him all the plains of Jordan. He allowed the moon. He allowed the emotions to rule. And Lot journeyed east and they separated themselves the one from the other. So what is happening here? They literally separated themselves one from another. And what that represents in us is the left side is swallowed up by the right. There's a separation. Why? Because not something necessarily that you did in the energy of the flesh, but you simply slipped in to the mind of Christ. You simply practiced or exercised the single eye, and it swallows. See, because you can only think 
seconds and you'll forget that thought. <laughs> See? But I have a better one for you. Slip into the mind of Christ and you'll forget that, that, that thought. It'll be swallowed up. It'll be consumed by the fire of his word. Amen. Our God is a consuming fire in a good sense, though. Yeah. Not in some hellfire brimstone sense, but yeah. in a good sense. Yeah. The word is a fire. So you see, what that's talking about there in verse 11 is that life, and you can see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says life swallows up mortality. Meaning what? Mortal thoughts. Mortal thinking. Left side thinking. See? Life swallows that up. Well, where's life? Well, on the right side. It just swallows it up. Amen. As you just slip into, see, the mind of Christ. Now, look at verse 12. Mm -hmm. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. He pitched his tent toward the lowest plain of Sodom. That's what it means there. The lowest plain of Sodom, Lot, meaning unveiled, pitched his tent toward. The place of confusion, the place of being veiled to the spiritual reality, that's the place that Lot pitched his tent toward. Hmm. And then in verse 13, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. What is that referring to? What is sin? Most people say, well, sin is the behavior. Sin is mistaken identity. Primarily, S-I-N is mistaken identity. Out of that can come sins of the flesh, absolutely. But a sinner, we've established this a long time ago, what is a sinner? A sinner is one, if sin is mistaken identity, then a sinner is one who doesn't know who he is. Yeah. See? What is perish? We think, oh, that means you're going to go to hell and you're going to burn forever. No, it just means you're not experiencing the life of Christ. Mm -hmm. See, that's what it's talking about. Mm -hmm. So, and same way with wicked. The men of Sodom were wicked. What is wickedness? Wickedness is simply living out of this left side. Yeah. Yeah. See? That's what it is. Verse 14. Yep. Look what it goes on to say in verse 14. So, let me read 13 again. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Why? Because they lived out of the left side. Mm -hmm. that, that's the only reason. See, and when that which is of the east has swallowed up that which is of the west, then what happens? You begin to think out of the right side. You begin to think out of, mm -hmm. or as you think out of the right side, it swallows up the left. See? Mm -hmm. What is that? That's the east. Judah, remember? Swallowing up what? The west. Ephraim that had to do with, mm. remember? It had to do with just intellect and knowledge. So all of that is swallowed up. See the left side. And then what happens is the two become one, and your five senses that are connected to your body and flow to your brain, they become what? Well, we could say they become saved. Mm. They become reconciled. And instead of seeing with the eyes in your head, you're seeing through the single eye. You're lifting the eyes in your head to a higher dimension. Yes. Mm -hmm. Instead of tasting, oh, our God, he's, you know, he's just going to rake us over the coals and he's going to cast half the people in some hell. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See? Same way with smelling. Smelling speaks of what? Discernment. The Old Testament talks about their sense, their sense, S-C-E-N-T, changed. And their taste changed. When you think out of the right side, your five senses change. Mm -hmm. They're converted, if you will. They're mm -hmm. reconciled. And they become married. The two become one. And they become spiritual senses. Like mm -hmm. Hebrews 5.14, strong meat belongs to them who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Exercise means stripped naked to discern both good and evil. <laughs> so the senses are discerning both good and evil is what that's saying there. Once we come to this understanding, once we think out of the right side. Verse 14. Verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him. Now listen to what happens here. Now, you know, people come to me all the time. Just a week ago, someone came to me and said, how come I never hear from the Lord? And sometimes on a one-to-one, -one, I don't have the guts to tell people. <laughs> but it's easier to do it in the public like this. So I'll tell you why you don't hear from the Lord. If you don't hear from the Lord, you think too much out of the left side. Well, yeah. <laughs> Hello. And exactly, I'm going to yeah. give it to you. It says in verse 14, the Lord said unto Abram, you see, after that lot, the left side was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, 
once Lot leaves, mm -hmm. you hear the Spirit more clearly. You see that in all directions, north, south, east, and west, it's all yours. And it's always been yours. Abram, look to the north now. There's been a separation. You're no longer thinking out of the left side. So Abram, look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west, and realize something, Abram. It's always been all yours. All things are yours. It's always been true about you. Because the lower is swallowed up now, you can experience what has always been true about you. And the same is true with Amen. us. Our answer tonight to experience who we have always been is to quit thinking out of the left side and begin to think out of the right side. Or in other words, put on the mind of Christ and think, exercise in the single. And that's why I call it spontaneous meditation. Why? Because when a challenge looms up before you, you can stop instantly it takes a split second to turn to the right and to trick the left side oh no that's not true about me that's not true about me how long did that take split second see and to me that's spontaneous meditation that's spontaneous meditation now look at verse 17 this is what he says Arise, he's telling Abram, arise and walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Now, oh, I thought he already had it. He did. I'll give it unto thee in experience. Amen. How many know we have all things, but we don't walk in all things experientially? Exactly. See? But listen, if you see through the single eye, slip into the mind of Christ, you'll begin to walk in everything that has always been yours. You'll walk in it experientially. Yes, it'll look like it was just given to you. When other people look at you, they say, oh, wow, you know, what a difference in that person. And they'll say, well, God really moved in their life. No, he moved from before time ever began. You just now aligned yourself to where you can walk in it and experience it. Amen. Amen. So God gave it to him experientially. The God within him, you see, gave it to him experientially. Verse 18, then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Now, Hebron here means community. And Mamre means confusion. So listen, an altar was built in the place of confusion. In the confusion of the mind is where there must be an altar of sacrifice built within us. Because you see, that's where the sacrifice is made. That's where the animal sacrifices. Listen, the animal sacrifice. You know, Moses gave the children of Israel a bunch of rules and laws to kind of keep them bound a little bit. But the animal sacrifices were only to take away their sin consciousness. And it wasn't given by God. It was given by Moses. And the same way when we get into the New Testament, Jesus' death and his shed blood is to get rid of our sin consciousness. You see? And what he revealed in the, re in the resurrection was what had always been true about us from before time ever began. You see? So the sacrifices, you know, in Jeremiah, God said, I never spoke to your fathers to offer, you know, the blood of bulls and goats and so forth. I never. See, Moses instituted that. So that as they offered them in his mind, it would get them away from the sin consciousness that they had, at least for a year. But now when we come into the New Testament, it's, it's the same thing. But listen, what it is, is the altar, Jesus' shed blood was to get rid of our sin consciousness, something in our awareness, to get rid of our sin consciousness, so that the, and he revealed his word to what? To swallow up the beastly thinking. Not to go out and kill a cat or an animal or a bull or a dove. No, to kill the beastly thinking. To offer the beastly thinking on this sacrifice. Amen. And you get to the place, it's not a sacrifice, it's an honor. Yeah. It's an honor to be equipped with everything that we have ever needed to be able to exercise the single eye and to slip into the mind of Christ. Amen. Now let me give you one scripture on this. Go, if you will, to Psalm 40. Hang on to Genesis, though, chapter uh, 13. Hang on to Genesis and go to Psalm 40. Psalm 40. And I want to show you something here concerning David. And there's many, many scriptures like this. You know, when, when David was repenting for the sin he committed with Bathsheba, he said, you know, Lord, I know you don't want a sacrifice. You don't want me to kill an animal. What would that do if I don't have a penitent heart? 
Hamilton Hart. What would that do? So he said, I know you don't want me to kill an animal, but you want me to have a contrite heart and a broken spirit about that. See, David knew that. Even under the old David knew that. That God was never after slaying, you know, the animals to shed blood. But Moses gave that ordinance for the people to, at least for a time, be relieved from their sin consciousness because they, they were so sin conscious. So sin conscious. Now, Psalm 40, verse 6, sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mm -hmm. See? Here's what he desired. Mine ear hast thine open. Mine ears hast thou open. Burnt offering and sin offering thou hast not required. So what is obedience? In the New Testament, the New Covenant, obedience is hearing. Yeah. Look it up. Obedience is hearing. And then, of course, hearing intelligently. Hearing you know, with a desire to be able to repeat that word and walk in that word. That's, that's New Covenant obedience. Old Covenant obedience was they had to do something. New Covenant obedience is you've got to hear something, see? And then to be open to do what you hear. Now, back to Genesis chapter 14 in closing. So what did God desire? He desired a people to live out of the right side, which would then swallow up the beastly thoughts. There's your animal sacrifice. To swallow up the beastly thoughts. Now go kill an animal. Of course, you know, we know the law was never, even though Moses gave it, the law was never given to us. It was given to the Jewish people. But it wasn't given by God. It was given, it was something that Moses came up with. And you can see this in John chapter 1, around verse 18, where it says there that Moses was the one that initiated the law. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. God was not in that. But you know what? Let me say it this way. I believe that God was for anything that would reveal or release them. Yeah. Or relieve them. That's what I want. Relieve them. Mm -hmm. Even though he did not ordain that. Just like he did not ordain Jesus to be killed. Now, Jesus willingly laid down, yes, himself, his life at the cross. But what for? To reveal the love of the Father. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And also to expose those who hung him there, which was the religious folks. So it was to expose, his death was to expose the lies of religion, to begin to reveal the truth, and then in his resurrection to reveal even more truth unto us. All right? Now, Genesis chapter 14. Here we have Lot again. And Abram gets word that Lot is in trouble. Well, listen, the left side will always get you in trouble. <laughs> to be veiled will always get you in trouble. Second Corinthians chapter 3 says that we throw the veil back on that Jesus removed in the reading of the Old Testament. Meaning what? As we read it just literally and stop with the literal interpretation of it and don't realize it's all happening within us, that throws a veil back on us. If we just take it as a nice little, you know, plain, tidy little history story, we have to move from the historicity and get into how this is applying to us and how it's happening within us. Now, what we have here in Genesis chapter 14 is the left side, Lot gets in trouble. And so in chapter 14, it says that Lot was taken captive and Abram goes after those that took Lot captive. He takes 318 in verse 14. Abram takes 318 of his trained servants and they pursue those who had taken Lot captivity. And look, they go all the way down in verse 14, all the way down to Damascus, it says. Now listen, Damascus is activity. So where does Abram find Lot in all of his trouble? And where did he go down to? Where did Abram and his 318 trained servants go to bring Lot out of his trouble? Well, look what it says in verse 15. They went all the way to Damascus. They went to where all the activity was. Hello. Are you here to go home? No. <laughs> to most Christians, it's all about activity. Yeah. Rather than resting. Wow. Now, I believe Jesus had a lot of activity. But listen, he always came from the right side. Mm -hmm. He always had a lot to do. There was a lot for him to do. Heal and minister and tell the parables and so forth. 
So I believe as we live from the wrong side, we're going to have stuff to do. And it's not that there's not going to be activity, but it's not going to be fleshly activity. Amen. And that's what the majority of Christendom is involved in today. They think they're holier. They can do this or that. Well, please God. No, you've always been pleasing to him. We've always been pleasing to him. See, even before Jesus did one miracle and he was baptized, what did the father say? He spoke and he said, my son in whom I am well pleased. And he hadn't done a thing yet. <laughs> he had done nothing. And yet the father was pleased. And I want to tell you, that the Father has been just as pleased with us as with the Son, Jesus Christ, even if we haven't done one thing. Amen. Even if we haven't done anything as far as service or, you know, healing or, uh, you know, leading someone to the Lord. <laughs> you see, he's still pleased with us. He's always been pleased with us. So verse 15 says, And he, Abram, divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Heba, which is on the left hand of activity. So what is it talking about? He pursued Lot, those who had taken him into captivity, he pursued them all the way to the activity of the left side. Isn't that good? See, he pursued them. Abram and his 318 men, trained servants, pursued Lot and those who had taken Lot one into captivity. He pursued them by going down and delivering them from the fleshly activity or the activity of the outside. Now, let me give you this in closing. I had a couple closings, right? Is that okay? Notice uh, verse 14. There's a mistake in the Bible. I wonder if you've ever noticed this. Who was Lot? Well, we know Lot was what? Abram's nephew. But in verse 14, it says that he was his brother. Look at it in verse 14. And Abram heard that his brother was taken captive. See, when he heard this, he, Abram, armed his trained servants. And then verse 12 calls Lot, Abram's brother's son, which would what? Be his nephew. So you see, there's a mistake here. Also, chapter 11, verses 27 and 28. Chapter 14, verse 16, it calls Lot, Abraham's brother. But then, all of a sudden, we realize that it says something the very opposite. It says he's his nephew. What's up with that? I'll tell you what's up with that. If we read the scriptures and stop with the historicity, we're always going to be confused. I think those mistakes were allowed. I think some of the mistranslations that we find throughout the scripture, and I've said this for years, over 30 years, 40 years I've said this in ministry, there are some mistakes in the Bible simply because there has to be a people that will dig a little deeper. we got to move beyond this cursory reading. we got to move beyond it. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We throw bail, but was done away in Christ, we throw it back on. When we read everything in a literal sense and just keep it there and never take it to its parabolic, allegorical, symbolical revelation of something that is going on on the inside of us. What good do all those stories do just to know them in their history? And some of them, and I said this last week, some of those stories you don't want to read to your grandkids unless you can show them what they point to. Because who wants to, you know, believe in a God that does all that stuff? Well, I'm here to declare he didn't do all that stuff. <laughs> he didn't do that stuff. It was never God that did all that stuff. It was people. The flood wasn't God. You can read just as clear as a nose on your face that because of their wickedness, see, I'm convinced that tornadoes and tsunamis and hurricanes and all that stuff comes from the corporate or the universal vibration that comes out of the people. Yes. I'm telling you, that's what I believe. That's what I believe. That all of it comes out of the consciousness, the universal consciousness of the people of this world. So what are we to do about that? Well, we need to be a first group that can 
comes the truth. Yeah. See, listen. Jesus reveals the Father. He said that numerous times. He came, when you see me, you've seen the Father. He came to reveal the Father. And so how would he be responsible? How would the Father be responsible for all the chaotic stuff that happens in our world if the Father that Jesus revealed is nothing but love and light and light? And why would Jesus have healed a storm if the Father brought it and was responsible for it? So, you know, we need to think some things through instead of have our head up our whatever nose. <laughs> we need to think some things through, and we've had our head up our nose. That's what Isaiah said in uh, Isaiah 2.22. Cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils. Cease ye from man whose inspiration is just his five senses. That's what he was saying there. Cease from that and begin to allow the Spirit as you to reveal the truth of your life and the truth of your being. Amen. So what have we seen? We've seen that Abram has always been Abraham. Sarah's always been Sarah with an H factor. They just simply didn't know it. And because what you don't know is going to hurt you. You know, I've heard, <coughs> I had an uncle one time that was big on spewing out, what you don't know won't hurt you. Yes, what you, and Gary Gardner said this over and over and over in his ministry. What you don't know will hurt you. And the Bible's so easy to understand, we've had to have theological help to misunderstand it. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the gospel truth. So we saw that Abram and Sarai, once they knew who they were from before time ever began, then they could finally begin to walk in and experience who they had always been. They brought an end to the conflict. There was a separation between the left and the right. And when there's that separation between the left and the right in us, we will experience that for which we were brought forth into this life. It's so simple. But we've made it so dull on heart. It's just when there's something that looks contradictory, when there's something in the appearance realm that challenges us, just say, is that the way my father sees me? When he is our health as us, he is our wealth as us, he is all things as us. No, just slip in to the mind of Christ. Exercise the single eye. And you will, slowly but surely, I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, but you will eventually begin to experience Amen. that for which you have been brought here. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you for your presence and your word. Thank you for our spirit, our Holy Spirit, that leads and guides and directs us into all the truth and brings back to our remembrance that which we have always known. For we know all things. We thank you for this people. We thank you that you have blessed us with all spiritual blessings. You have given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You are all in all in each and every one of us. We lack nothing, no thing tonight. Thank you for the revelation of one mind and one power and one presence and one faith and one baptism. Thank you for the oneness. Yes, we bless you. We honor you. In the name of the Lord, amen, amen. Where do I stop it? Here? I'm not sure. Just push it on and see what happens. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I thought I knew how to turn it off. I know how to turn it off. I better learn how to turn the thing off. I just still have that little green thing where you hit go live, so I think I just touched that. Yeah. All right. Questions, comments, anyone tonight have anything that you would like to share? Why is it so hard to me? Why does it have to be so hard? Is it because we think it's hard? It's because we think it's hard. It's because we think it's hard. Absolutely. Because religions confuse the issue. I don't know what kind of faith you brought up in, but Baptists said everything was literal Bible. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of you know, there's over 40 denominations, and the majority of them say that it's literal. You know, I don't know how they you know, can say that. Why the Spirit then? My sister and brother-in-law, they are Catholics. 
that last five or six years now. And we were having a three-hour lunch yesterday. We had a really good 